button, baby. Easy. That's, <laughs> that's And honestly, that's the easiest thing about this whole podcast is just hitting that go live button. We are live. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> nah, that's all, that's all I can ask right there. And I appreciate y'all all for being here. So let me just go around the room and just uh, intro everybody before we uh, move on. Uh, AJ, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, Jessica, how you doing? What's going on? Not much, not much. Donnell, welcome back. Yeah, you know, happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Not for the reason, but for the conversation. For the conversation. Dev. Maybe Dev's with us. <laughs> Dev's mic is off right now. He's my friend. Manny, how you doing? I'm all right, good dog. All right, bet. Trev, what's going on? How y'all doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I'm surprised we're here as as talking about the same topic. Um, kind of surprised that it was this quick. I knew it was going to happen again. I just didn't realize it was going to be this quick. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago that we just did the um, the Mod Aubrey podcast. And That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and I appreciate y'all too as well, being why for giving me a day because we were actually supposed to go live yesterday, and I woke up that morning. I was like, I can't, I can't do this one today. This isn't, this isn't going to happen. I, my my emotions totally. ain't right, my head ain't right. So, but I think, uh, I think I'm good to go today. Um, in the meantime, I was able to uh, do a few things. I uh, was able to put some of my thoughts down on a piece of paper, and it's one thing that I've, uh, I've realized is that history is everything. Um, the past, the present, the future. Just look back in time, and it'll tell you a picture. It'll paint a beautiful picture. Well, for here, not really a beautiful picture, but just paint a picture of everything that we're going through today. So, with that being said, I'm going to start off with a, a article that I wrote for YTGGlobal.com. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be about a minute, a couple minutes. So, just just bear with me and let me uh, let me read this. Everything cool with that? Yep. Yeah. Do your thing. All right. The Atlantic Slave Trade, the Three-Fifths Compromise, the Naturalization Act of 1790, Slave Patrols, 1831 Nat Turner Slave Revolt, the Underground Railroad, the 13th Amendment, the 1865 Foundation of the KKK, the 1865 Foundation of For-Profit Private Prisons, the Civil Rights Act of 1866, the, in quotation marks, black codes, the 14th Amendment, the Civil Rights Act of 1875, the 15th Amendment, the Red Shirts, the White League, Jim Crow, 1896 Plessy versus Ferguson, separate but equal. President Woodrow Wilson authorized segregation within the federal government, 1913. The 1921 destruction of Black Wall Street, the Harlem Renaissance, redlining, Negro League Baseball, Executive Order 9981, desegregation of the military, 1954, Brown versus the Board of Education, 1955, Emmett Till, 1955, Rosa Parks, 1957, Central High School, a.k.a. the Little Rock Nine, the 1960 sit-ins, the 1963 Birmingham church bombing, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the 1965 Selma to Montgomery March, the 1965 Voting Rights Act, 1968 Fair Housing Act, 1978 Affirmative Action, 
the crack epidemic and the anti-drug abuse of 18 of I'm sorry of uh, 1986 the 1992 LA riots the 1995 Million Man March. Bring on the new millennium that's been one step forward, two steps back. Or as the saying goes, twice as good to get half as much. The PTSD in black America has gone on for centuries, handed down generation to generation. Black people have overcame time and time again with a metaphorical knee weighing down on us. So let's look at the Colin Kaepernick situation taking a sacrificial knee. His refusal to stand for the national anthem came before the 2016 49ers preseason game to the Green Bay Packers. Harris Cap, in his own words, when asked about the kneeling, "I am not going to stand. I am not going to stand up and show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color." Kaepernick told NFL media in an exclusive interview after the game. To me, this is bigger than football, and it'll be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street, and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. The media painted this as, I'm anti-American, anti-men and women of the military, and that's not the case at all, Kaepernick said. I realize that men and women of the military go out and sacrifice their lives and put themselves in harm's way for my freedom of speech and my freedoms in this country and my freedom to take a seat or take a knee so I have the utmost respect for them. There are things we could do to hold them more accountable. Talking about the uh, police. Make those standards higher. You have people that practice law and are lawyers and go to school for eight years but you could become a cop in six months and don't have the same amount of training as a cosmetologist. That's insane. Someone that's holding a curling iron has more education and more training than people that have a gun and are going out on the street to protect us. Colin Kaepernick has had his name ran through the mud. His actual stance changed that of an American traitor guilty of treason and blackball from the NFL, all from a peaceful protest. On May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, 46, was arrested Monday after an employee at a grocery store called the police to accuse him of trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill. This was later proved to be false. Video from a bystander showed Floyd handcuffed and Minneapolis Police Department officer Ch uh, Chauvin with his knee pressed against the neck of the 46-year-old. Two officers handled the man on the ground while another stood by near nearby with his eyes on the bystanders as traffic passed. Please, I can't breathe. Floyd says, my stomach hurts, my neck hurts, everything hurts. George Floyd was shortly pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. So who is Officer Derek Chauvin? Allow me to bring you his record. Chauvin was put on leave in 2011 for an inappropriate police scoot, uh, shooting of Alaskan Native American Leroy Martinez. Chauvin shot Ira Tolles, an unarmed black man, in 2008. Chauvin was one of the officers who murdered Wayne Reyes, a Latino man with 16 bullets forced in him. A total of 42 rounds were shot off. Chauvin and another officer were chasing a car in 2005 and causing the death of three people. There are 12 police brutality complaints against Chauvin in the Minneapolis Office Police of Conduct complaint database. They are, excuse me, they are all listed as closed, non-public, and no discipline. Chauvin was protected by the very people who are meant to protect us. As of well, let me clear this up here in a second. But as I posted today with a video of clearly showing him uh, killing George Floyd, he was not arrested and no charges have been filed. Since then, in the past couple of hours, charges have been filed in the, uh, the murder of a uh, third degree. For those caught up in the rioting and looting, I'll now turn this over to the words of Tupac Shakur and Dr. Martin Luther King. Here are the words of Tupac. 
if I know I'm in this hotel room and they have food every day and I'm knocking on the door every day to eat and they open the door, let me see the party, let me see them throwing salami all over. I mean, just throwing food all around and they're telling me there's no food. Every day I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. We are hungry. Please let us in. We are hungry. Please let us in. After about a week, that song is going to change to, we hungry. We need some food. After two or three weeks, it's like, excuse me, give me the food or I'm breaking down the door. After a year, you're just like, I'm picking a lock coming through the door blasting. It's like, you hungry and you reach your level. We asked 10 years ago. We was asking with the Black Panthers. We was asking with the Civil Rights Movement. We was asking. Those people that asked are now dead and in jail. So what do you think we're going to do now? Ask. The words of Martin Luther King Jr. Let me say, have I always said, I will always continue to say that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. So in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winners of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these reoccurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Both these men have been dead for decades, but their words stay relevant. Motherfuckers complained about peaceful protests for years, hijacked the issues because they didn't want to face the issues, protected filth to feel comfortable in their own biases, continue to call them out, continue to record the videos, continue to expose them for who they really are. It's our best weapon to stay alive while living life. Rest in peace to George Floyd. It took a lot to uh, write those words down. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. It was pretty emotional. Tears were shed in the process, but I feel that I had to capture not just the way I feel, but the way millions of people feel too, as well. Not just you know, not just people of color, not just black people. Um, I want to thank everybody here for being in this podcast. It's not easy being here and you know talking this out, but I always say here at being why that is complete therapy. What we do. So with that being said, I'm going to pass this thing off to uh, my man Dev. Actually, Dev, uh, if you could turn your uh, your mic back on for me, I appreciate it. And then uh, we'll go ahead and uh, move this forward. Uh, everybody's going to have a chance to speak. Everybody's going to have a chance to say what they need to. I need Dev to turn his mic on. He can't hear anything. All good. Jessica, I'll have you go first. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, calling it like it is right and calling these people out and continuing to um, post things on social media uh, and continuing to make uh, your voice heard, right? So, <clears throat> before um, the video of George Floyd came out, right, there was a video of uh, Amy Cooper um, calling the police on um, Mr. Cooper, who was bird watching, right? And it's kind of funny because uh, my girlfriend and I, we were having a conversation about it and we were somewhat on opposite sides, but we talked it out. And basically I told her, you know, I have no sympathy for this woman, like losing her job. I have no sympathy for this woman um, 
who is, you know, receipt, having her dog taken away from her, like getting all this backlash. Why? Because she's an adult woman and she knew exactly what she was doing. Just like that officer was an adult man and he knew exactly what he was doing when he had his knee on George's uh, neck. They are, let's, let's be honest, they are domestic terrorists. These are racist extremists and they use their color and their privileges as weapons of mass destruction against a race of people. These people, you know, don't call them Karen, don't call them Uncle Tom. They are domestic terrorists, right? The, so the, the definition of domestic terrorism, right, is, is uh, violent criminal acts committed by individuals or groups to, to further their ideological goals. And their intent is to coerce a civilian population, in this case, the black population. Um, when coronavirus first started, right, the, the Asian population, thank God for social media. Thank God for the opportunity to live stream these events because, let's be honest, right, we live in an age of social media. Anything you say that appears on social media can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion. So you better better either be confident behind what you're doing or what you're saying, or you better be ready to take the ramifications of what's coming. That's my piece. A hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree well with said. that. Manny, go ahead. I'll just say well said. I wait my turn. Yeah, you next. Go. Okay. Well, um, I'm. We had this conversation not too long ago. I was already tired. You know, we just like you take some days off, try to figure things out. And um I really don't know what to say right now. I don't and then like cuz you got the everybody's in one corner talking about this that and the other and at the end of the day like all that's fine and I don't care about no burning target. Somebody got killed, you know. Like can we get to that? And as you can see right now like and I just seen it on my feed, they protesting in Atlanta right now. It's about to get spicy down there now. And um, it's my belief that people complaining about the loot and all this stuff and words said by POTUS and everything. But that third that third degree murder, the manslaughter charge, wouldn't have came about as quickly or at all if that didn't happen. Um, what was it? I, I, my, my head's still kind of all over the place. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did have a, a little smirk on my face when I found out that police department got burned down. You know, not the, don't confuse me to be, you know, a terrorist or whatnot, but I'm like, hey, it's like um, the police, the police issues in Minnesota has been been there for a while. Like I've never lived there, and I keep hearing about it. It keep coming up. So I mean, and even then, just looking at the video, and um, the one officer who was trying to control the, the uh, you know, the crowd, he looked like he was under duress. So, you know, like, all cops aren't bad. This man, in my opinion, didn't look like a bad cop, but he was probably the lowest ranking, and he feared retribution because he still got to pay his bills, too. That's just my opinion. But um, it's it's enough bad cops out there 
to put pressure on the good ones to actually say and act on anything in the heat of a moment. Now I've seen plenty of videos from um, you know, police officers speaking that piece, which is good. Like it's um it's slowly getting I think the message is slowly getting heard. These are certain people coming out the woodwork now about stuff, and I'm I'm happy to see that. Um, I'm just sad to see this is what it took to get us here, you know. And I I really can't carry this um, today well on my own because I'm I'm still lost and trying. It's, it's not even analyzing it. We know what it is, but I don't agree with third degree manslaughter honestly. And I I'm just trying to watch it all play out. And there's so many different things that happen. Even waking up this morning, seeing all the the um, extra stuff on the news for like the guy breaking out the window is in um, AutoZone and walking away. Like it's too many questions about everything going on up there. And like my prayers with everybody up there. I mean, my prayers with everybody in general, because this is bigger than Minnesota now and everybody going to see it. But um, that's all I got. I, I don't know who we pass it off to next, but um, yeah, hopefully y'all can help me put the words better. Just like we did earlier, Ricky, with what you said. All good. That's hey, say what you need to, man. Donnell. Man, <clears throat> so ultimately, I, I don't know. I'm emotionally spent. You know, I and, and a lot of it is uh just because we got to keep revisiting this, obviously, for forever, like just forever. As long I know, I'm I'll be 39 this year. This has always been an issue. And and. Uh, the, the difference is, I think Will Smith said it, and I don't even know if he really said it, because you never really know who says anything. They just put a various people's face on it, but, yeah. you know, racism isn't new. We're just videotaping it now, right? So, so all these things that were still on, they were all, this was on camera in the civil rights, right? People saw people getting attacked by dogs and all the pictures, there's pictures of lynchings and there's all that, but this is in, these are these are 4K and, and 1080p videos now, and they happen live, and you cannot stop them from coming out and edit them now, because it's me pulling out my phone immediately. And and uh, and, uh, and and filming something now, and and so so now it's, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of conflicted on whether that's good or bad, honestly, because yeah, it's good that we're seeing it and it's in people's face, but it's 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 traumatizing to just keep seeing that over and over and over again. I have a I have a thing that I said many years ago. I don't watch slave movies. I haven't watched them in years. I don't watch them because that's not I don't that, that's a psychological thing to me. Like why? Why do I need to keep watching movies about slavery? Like there's there, the, my my history does not begin in this country. So show me something before that, or show me something good. Like show me. I don't want to see no slavery movies, and I also don't want to see civil rights movies that got twisted into like there had to be like this white hero that didn't wasn't involved. You just made it Hollywood. I don't watch those either because of what it does. It puts me in a bad place. You know what I'm saying? It disrupts your. It, depending on what you believe, you want to say energy, spirit, whatever it is. You know, I I don't I haven't watched any of these videos and years i don't need to watch the video to know what happened I, I see the clips but i just know it bothers me for a very long time so i just can't i've just decided not to watch it i'm not going to show it to my older son or my you know my wife watches them every now and then but even she's decided to stop watching them because it's it's, it's just disruptive uh but i wrote just to keep myself on track i wrote down a couple things that i wanted to to to, to get to Talk and, and something that i've shared with my wife and she knows how i feel about it i'm, I'm not very I feel I feel I feel a certain type of way being in the Air Force and and I always have it's be, and it's because I notice there's and and you can probably attest to it too and and I know uh Manny and whatnot there's I get different treatment when I'm wearing my uniform 
then I do different treatment, different greetings, different everything when I wear my uniform. And I don't, that doesn't make, that, to me, the older I get, the, I don't want that. I want your real feelings. So don't smile at me because you're really smiling at the uniform. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, hey, how you doing today? Da, 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 da. And, you know, and you can't tell who everybody, but, but there's a noticeable difference when I'm certain places with my uniform and when I'm not there with my uniform. Like, it's just a difference. It just is. And so I'm, I'm a generally one of those people that I try to get my uniform off as fast as possible because I can't stand, like, fake love or fake appreciation because you don't appreciate me. And to tie that all in, you know, and, and just to prove a, a broader point about it, uh, my, my uncle told me a story that I never knew when we were in Florida, when were we there? Last year, some uh, late last year. And uh, he was in the Navy way, way back in the day. And he was stationed in Pensacola, which was one of the worst places. It's still a horrible place to be for racism, but he, he was in Pensacola, he was in the Navy. Him and his friends were out drinking like we do when we're, you know, we're military. And then, you know, it was during pre-segregate, it was during segregation. So they're in the black side of town. You had to cross the tracks to go catch a bus back to the base or whatever. And they had to cross the tracks. And um, one of the guys he was with was drunk and wanted a cigarette and went into a white bar and got tossed back out. And then uh, they, you know, it, typical stuff. The same stuff we could do now, we would do now, but, you know, fighting or whatever. But they didn't really fight so much as they got chased out of the bar. Well, the, the, they got on the bus and they were headed back towards the base. The sheriffs came, pulled them over, pulled them off the bus and took them. And they were, t- and my uncle said he knew in his heart he was about to die. He got taken to the, a, a wide open field and it was with a bunch of, it was a couple of other sheriffs and just some good old boys in trucks. And they, and they were about to, he said they were about to beat the hell out of us. And the only, the only thing that saved them was the actual sheriff came down there himself and he was like, I don't care what y'all do to them, but don't kill them because we don't want the we don't want the the, uh, the 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 law enforcement from the base down here bothering us. And he said he knows for a fact that's the only reason they didn't die that night. He said they got roughed up a little bit, but eventually they got back on the bus and they got to go back to the base. And they had to come back and pay a fine and all that when when they were you know all, all kind of other stuff. What but year was he this? He told me that story. This is don't get me to lying, but I would say so. My 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 uncle just turned eighty. So let's say 70 years ago when he was in his early 20s. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is, but this is, again, I say all that to say this. It's the same feelings I have about it. That kind of reaffirmed my feelings right there because his life got saved because of a uniform. If he didn't have that uniform if, or someone didn't know they were from the base, he was, I wouldn't have known my uncle. Mm-hmm. I would have never known him. You know what I mean? Uh, and along those lines, it's uh, that, that kind of stuff, when people say, why are we still talking about it? Why are we still because we're still talking about it? Because when I was in high school and I went to my great grandmother's 100th birthday party, that was in 1999. So she was born in 1899. So guess what? She talked to someone in her lifetime at some point that was a slave. So it ain't that old. Mm-hmm. Like we're not that far away from it. My parents went through. You know, my my mom was raised in the north. My dad was in St. Pete in Florida. They went through segre- desegregation. That wasn't fun. They weren't wanted at the schools, and and that that kind of stuff is the the, the reason we feel the way we feel in our twenties, thirties, and forties because we're still talking to people who went through this stuff, and they feel a certain way, and they they have seen all this before. Then we're just all seeing it in living color now. This is the memories of our of our uh, I don't want to say answers. This is the memories of our mothers and fathers, and our uncles, and our aunts, and our older cousins, and just family friends that you know we all get together and we talk, and this is the they all have the same stories that we're telling today, except that we have the ability to show the world. And now, now we have the ability to call people hypocrites because they see, you can't turn your eye on this anymore. And that's the other thing I was, I was, I wrote down is like, 
I have I, I have in the last couple of weeks and definitely yesterday, I've, I've drawn some lines on what I'm going to accept and what I'm not going to accept anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, blatant things you're saying is one thing, but I think not being like taking a blind, t- turning a blind eye to this is the same thing as 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 what the is the same thing as the police officer to me now. Like that is you're on the same side because you, if you don't say anything, it just tells me like back in the day you wouldn't have said anything either. You would have, oh well, you know, I know it's I don't have any slaves or I don't I never lynched anyone, but I'm not saying nothing about it. But I never, you know, I I feel like indifference is just as bad as doing the you know committing the act itself. And uh, you know, I could go on and on all day. It, it just, like I said, it was it was emotionally draining. I even had some people come at me, and and and, and I put up a whole lot of stuff yesterday. I saw. I, I saw. Very censored. Yeah, I put a bunch of stuff up yesterday, and I still censor about seventy five percent of what I want to say. And we all know why I do that because of where we work. But I still got some messages like, "Oh, make sure you watch what you're saying." And I'm like, "I watch what I said, and I'll and I'll say a hundred percent of everything I said in a commander's call if asked." You know what I mean? Because I stand on everything I said yesterday. I edited to that point, and I'll read it if I had to. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it means that much to me, and it means that much to my... I mentioned it last podcast, that I've had to have the talk with my 17-year-old son. Again, we were still having to talk about his... He doesn't. He did not want to grow a beard because he doesn't want to look older and, and be categorized as a grown-up because of all the stuff going on in the news. He didn't want to grow... He has. He's way hairier than me. He has a big old beard. And I, I told him, no, that's not what we're going to do. You're going to accept it. That's how your hair grows. That's what we're doing. And I lined it up for him. And that's what we're doing. But that's the kind of talk I got to have. I, I'm having talks about with my son about he doesn't want to look, not not in his skin, but in, but he doesn't want his body to do what it's supposed to do because of where we live. That's 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 sad, man. That's trauma. That's psychological trauma, man. And no matter what I say, he still thinks that. I just convince him that, hey, right now you're here with us. You don't have to do that. But if next year he decides to go off to college or a year after next, and he's around whatever environment he's in, and he feels like he needs to go. He's gonna go to the barbershop and cut it off again because he, he, if he thinks he needs to feel non more non-threatening in front of certain people, that's what he's gonna do. And that's sad. I don't want him to do that. But I'm gonna cut it off right there. We come back around. I got more stuff, but I you, I don't want to take everybody anybody else's time. Y'all y'all go ahead. No, that was powerful it's right the time, there. Man. Hey, let me uh let me get Trev next. I think he got to pop out of here at some point. Y'all can hear me? Yeah, we got yep. you. Uh so. Seeing, uh, seeing me, I'm from the Midwest, uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, I've said this multiple times. So Wisconsin is a very, the Midwest entirely, I'd say, is a very racist place. It's just not blatantly racist like the South is. Um, so that's why I think a lot of people were so surprised that Minneapolis reacted the way they did. Um, it's because as black people in the Midwest, and especially the Northern Midwest, you know, we deal with a whole lot of behind closed door racism. Um, and because it's behind closed doors that you don't actually see it, you don't have anything to kind of be like, well, this is what's happening, because everybody will be like, well, no, it's not. But now that it is more out in the open, it's kind of like a large, not let's say a scapegoat, it's a point in which people can finally say like, this is something that's, that we've been dealing with for so long. And that's why the reaction um, was even bigger than what people thought were gonna be. Um, obviously, the reaction was justified in and of itself, um, but because of the uh, social, uh, how the social uh, network up in the Midwest is, northern Midwest, I can understand, as somebody from the West, I can understand how it, they reacted that way. Um, and kind of going off uh, what you said about, you know, one cop um, being bad and the rest not, you know, being like, well, you know, I'm not a bad cop. Uh, I read somewhere earlier that um, you could have um, 100, 100 cops, and if 10 did something bad, 
but the other 90 didn't say anything, you have 100 bad cops. Um, because ultimately, if you just sit there and don't do anything, you are you are helping the problem. You're not uh, bringing and addressing issues um, to it. Um, with that being said, though, there are still a lot of people out there um, who I have, you know, I have some friends that are cops too, and they're outraged. They're they're like they because of them uh, more publicity that police departments have been getting over the last few years. Uh, more people of color that are in the police departments are starting to try the best of the ability to police other police officers. Um, will that work? Probably not, because there's going to be some places that aren't going to have any people of color as police officers, and they're probably not going to be in any position to really govern how the overall department acts and controls, and how they reprimand officers for killing people. Um, you've said this before, especially with the whole Ahmad thing. I'm not going to be... Uh, I'm not going to be... No, I'm not going to be satisfied because it's third degree, but just because he's charged right now, I need I need him actually to be in jail. I don't need him to be out on bail because he's probably post bail if they give him. I don't know. Did they give him bail? I haven't, I haven't seen anything. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be feeling any kind of uh, justice has been served even until he's actually behind bars. Um, and we're gonna see how the country country reacts. I mean, like. Uh, like Manny said earlier, Atlanta right now is going up. I think once the sun goes down, it's probably going to get a lot worse. Um, and it's probably going to spread throughout the country. But I feel like to a point is it's a lot of, a lot, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, going out and protesting and doing all these things. But it's it's like a cycle. We, we see the same people say they're going to go protest, protest, protest. They're going to do this, that, and the other. But then when it's actually time to do it, everybody's kind of just not there. Nobody's present. Um, I think that's what something has to change. We're going to do something. We need to actually, whether that's we are actually rioting and like making a scene because obviously talking hasn't fixed anything, being peaceful hasn't fixed anything ever in the history of our country. So if it is the path we're going to take, we need to go all in and not just kind of be like divided. Because like I said in previous podcasts, country divided cannot stand for itself. Um, you know, the, the whole don't tread on me thing, which some people don't really like, uh, is, is kind of relevant for what we're facing right now. If we can't be unified in one front, we're not going to be able to strike. Um, so that's, that's all I have. Appreciate you. Dev, I kept going sidelines too long. What you got for me? Man, um, so the response to all of this it got me to think in on a broader perspective of what's going on in this country. Um, and what I, what I liken it to is, is it's called the irresistible uh, paradox or the spear and shield. But what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? And that is literally where I see this country headed. Um, the immovable object are, in effect, the systems, the oppressions, what has been ingrained in American society from its inception. The fact that certain individual has been viewed as lesser than, you know, um, systemic racism and oppression. Um, of, of black and, and brown people and people of color, um, 
generational wealth gaps is being created created as a result of you know what I'm saying the beginning of this country and, and some things being passed down and you have the police force in, in its inception in the beginning was literally as a means to were they were posses they were they were rounder up they were they were hired to round up slaves and criminals and things of that nature they weren't necessarily there to serve the public or, or to keep peace mm-hmm. they were there to to keep people quiet or they were there to round up in a sense um so you have what's in this country you have what's in this country from the beginning hold on i got i got three-year-old just nah, going ham right now you, you good man you good shout out to the family <laughs> um, <laughs> hey i'll let him do his thing so, right there no we, we um so you got yeah so you have the unstoppable the immovable object that is american history and and you have what i believe to be the um the unstoppable force which are the american people blacks and browns and minorities and more specifically that are headed that if, if it hasn't already been a collision course already it's headed to a point it's headed to a breaking point where these two forces are going to meet and that paradox will be solved something is going to have to break and my belief is the will of the people far surpasses in strength than these archaic um, um, belief systems and and systemic issues that we have in American history. Um, but that's the collision course that we're headed. Um, but also... I see a flaw in the unstoppable force in this sense. If this, if it remains a singularity, if Minneapolis remains a singularity, if Texas, Houston remains a singularity, if, if Atlanta remains a singularity, then that force will not gather the, the momentum it needs it's required to take down this system. Unless this becomes a national issue, a national movement, if if there aren't protests of, of of a certain level and caliber throughout this nation, all echoing the same sentiments, all applying the same amount of pressure to local municipalities and governments, if they aren't all speaking the same language, I fear that it's just going to continue to fizzle out as it has in the past. Minneapolis is going through what it's going through right now. But how many of you have to remember Ferguson? Yeah. And after how many months of rioting in Ferguson, how much, what have you heard about it since then? Nothing. Now there were some investigations. There, they, they were. There was a lot of things that was proven that was going on in the police department in Ferguson that came to light as a result of what happened. But after that, it seemed like that was the pacification that was needed to quiet that community, to quiet the nation. So here it is in Minneapolis. There was just a blatant wrongdoing on the behalf on behalf of these officers and now that there's a, a third degree murder charge is being um 
he's being charged with. You know, my fear is, is that it? Are people going to be satisfied with that outcome? You know, I don't necessarily think people are, but it's one thing to be dissatisfied and make it be known, and it's another thing to be satisfied and sitting in your home. You know, and 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 that's what I'm fearing is is this unstoppable force that is the American people that are the American people, our frustrations, our anger, our fear, the willingness and the the desire to change what it is that we've been experiencing for hundreds of years, as Donnell said, like we're not talking about something that's happened you know, to people that we don't know, we've never spoken to, like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Some of us still have our great-grandparents. You know, I'm blessed to have mine, my great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she can tell you stories about what it was like during that time, how she literally would talk. She, she, knows, she knows slaves. She knew slaves when she was growing up. And this is my great-grandmother. I can drive to her house 15 minutes right now and have a full conversation with her about this. I have great aunts and uncles in their 60s and early 70s that was lived throughout the civil rights movement, throughout that entire era. My mother is 54, be 55 this year. You know, and she grew up in D.C., but even then she grew up in a time where things were shaky for black people in this country. She knew, she knows what it's like to, to walk past certain diners and get looks because she wasn't allowed in there. So we're not talking about an issue that is outside of our scope. A lot of people fall and they use that escape, that excuse. Oh, well, you know, you didn't happen. It didn't happen to you or, you know, that wasn't us. No, but I, I guarantee that if you have a conversation with someone, you know, what I'm saying down the line, you know, you, you talk to a grandfather or grandpappy or whatever you call him. And he may know someone that, that may have been a, a, a nephew of a slave owner. You know, that may have, may have grew up and, and played on a, play, a plantation when they were indentured servants. So I, I would like people to pull this this uh, this willful blindfold off of their their eyes and this willful ignorance to just keep acting like this isn't an issue that we have to deal with. Like if the mindset is that it wasn't me then you're going to always have the mindset that it's not we that need to deal with it. It's always going to be someone else. This this whole ordeal was just beyond disturbing because we literally just had a podcast two weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer, about Ahmaud Arbery. Like, just two weeks ago. And then from, from the time of the Ahmaud Arbery, you had Breonna Taylor happen. You had George Floyd happen just a few days ago. Mm. Like, it's like the message is just, it's just missing people in general. Like, there's just, a, I looked at that video and I saw in the man and the officer's face, I'm not going to call him racist. Do I believe that this is a, an issue that is steep in race? Absolutely. Because that's what our country was built on, on the backs of the, the suffrage of others. But I'm I won't necessarily say he was a racist. 
But what I will say is you can watch that video and you can see such a level of uncare towards another human being life. That hurt me the most. Like that brother passing away was hard. Obviously, we know that is the the hardest part and the most egregious issue in that video. Mm -hmm. But second to me, if you just look at the man's face, he genuinely did not care about what, not one time from the moment that he looked up from that brother, he did not look back down to check on him, to address his complaints, to address to address exactly, Mm -hmm. to address the complaints of the civilians that was there, to address the complaints of the firefighter that was telling him that she he needed to check, he needed first aid. She was telling, I am a certified, I am a firefighter. He didn't once look back down at this man. Not once. Once he, from from him moving, speaking, crying out in, in pain, asking for help, to the time when he just stopped moving. Like, you, you know how usually you're in a situation where you're struggling with someone and you might got the upper hand or whatever. But, you know, once they stop, you kind of look down to make sure that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know I might be whooping your ass right now, but you ain't moving. So, all right, I won, but, yo, you good. You know, like, throughout all of that, he didn't look that He didn't care. His face said it all. With the hand in the My, pocket. Had the nerve to pull out Mace. Like, come on, though. My, my last issue with that video is I am... I'm super appreciative of social media, smartphones, and the tools that they have mm-hmm. become. You know, and their value is completely understated. And I don't think people truly understand just how important it is that we have cell phones, like videos, lots. Like, we're still battling people seeing footage and, and still not believing it to be true or still trying to get certain charges and still get justice. But the fact is, you can't you can't dispute something that is undoctored, a live video. So regardless of how you feel about it, the evidence is there. But for how many years have people been saying these things are happening People made the excuse, well, if you had a run-in with the where's police, the right, where's the proof? And, and Or they justify, well, you know, if you had a run-in with the police, it's, it's a reason why, it's probably a reason why that, that individual passed away, or they got roughed up or brutalized or arrested, you know? How many times people saying that they're they, they not a drug dealer, they're not a drug user, they ain't have no drugs on them, and without body cam footage or cell phone footage to show that people are being have been set up and things have been planted on them. But for how many years people have been saying the same thing to go unheard? Oh, no, no, no. There's no way that the police would do that. If they mm-hmm. had you pulled over or if they had you in handcuffs, it's the reason why they did it. And if something happened to you while in their custody, well, you shouldn't have been doing what you were doing in the first place. We're starting to see that narrative, even though it's changing. There are still 
people that are fighting the narrative that is in front of them. I seen one guy say, well, there's, there, there has to be more context. I'm, I'm a reserving judgment until I get the full context of the video. What more context do you need? They released another video too, not to cut you off. They released another video uh, showing that he wasn't fighting, he wasn't resisting nothing. I don't know if you guys got to see the other video. Yeah, oh yeah, the other angle, yeah. Yeah, we saw it. Yeah, I saw that one. Austin, Austin, and when I and in the debate with this individual, we posted the link to that very video right there where you can see he wasn't resisting. Guess who fell silent? Guess who? Guess who? Guess who did come to the defense of, of of black people or George Floyd? Guess who didn't? See, people would much rather stir the pot. People would much rather be that voice of chaos as opposed to just admitting that yo, I was fucked up. Okay, I might have been standing on this side of the tracks or whatever when this all began, but you know what? Once the proof hits, once the shit hits the fan, and it's all out there to see. How many of those same individuals are willing to go near the society? Yeah, exactly. To admit their flaw, to admit their wrong, and say, you know what, I now stand with you, brother. Not just as a is a white man or a black man, but you know, we're all Americans. Like I stand with you as an individual, as a human being, as an American. I stand with you now. I may have felt some type of way. I may have stood on the opposite side of this argument, but at this point. All things considered, unless something drastic comes out to change the narrative, yo, I stand with you. You don't get that. If you're not, if they're not standing with you in the beginning, very rarely will people switch in the middle of something to take to choose a different side, and that's disturbing because that just willingness to 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 be that stubborn and, and hold on to these mindsets. It's what's really causing like the stagnation of progress in this country. People are so stuck on their own personal opinion and beliefs. It's literally getting in the way of the progress that we should have been making decades ago. So am I happy that there was a charge? Absolutely. But the way I look at it from a law standpoint, they had to go with what they can prove in the court of law without a shadow of a doubt. Would I like to see first degree murder? Yep. I'm not yep. necessarily going to say I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. But first degree murder, second degree murder, absolutely. Because I believe that that man should get all the time that he's de- he deserves for his actions. But when you talk about law, when you talk about in the court of public opinion, the court of law, when you get in front of that jury, they got to be able to prove these things without a shadow of a doubt. So sometimes you have to, we have to be pacified and we have to accept the third degree. But it shouldn't stop there. That's just another stepping stone that's showing these people, whomever they may be, that's disrupting American society, these terrorists, that regardless of your race, regardless of your creed, your background, your religion, if you continue to treat Americans and human beings in this fashion, you will pay. Period. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter who the victim is, what your color is. You're not going to keep taking advantage of the American people. We are going to stand up and our voices will resoundingly 
you know what I'm saying, put you where you need to be, put you in your place. You know, but hey, we'll see what goes from here. I hope these these these, these protests aren't the singularity. I want this movement to grow and I want this to become a nationwide thing. That's my hope going forward. Hey, Dev Ray for uh, 2024 presidency. That's that's, fun. that's fun. That man, hey, hey, that's a strong platform right there, baby. I I I, I run as your VP. Hey, just hey, tell Donnell me your ticket. Donnell go for the VP. Uh, Austin. So, first and foremost, I want to uh, apologize. Uh, number one, the reason why I say this is because I'm not black. And I can't say that I fully understand um, what it's like to be a black man in this world because I'm not black, right? What I can say is that I understand right from wrong. Clearly, if you're looking at the video, and obviously we've all seen it, we've seen the uh, the side angle, what happened was wrong. Um Third-degree murder charge. I feel like they're doing this just to put something out there to, to stop the rioting, as um, I think Ant had said earlier. But um, I don't believe that I can talk too much on it because, again, I, I, I don't understand what it's like to go through systematic racism. Have I seen it? Yes. Again, I know right from wrong. Um, you know, am I racist? No. <laughs> but uh, – some things came across yesterday um, on Facebook while I was uh, defending the position of George. Um, um, George. So uh, the first thing, and uh, Donnell had kind of spoke on it about his son, right? Uh, everybody knows that, uh, you know, I married Ricky's sister, and my kids are half black. Hey. And uh, a, a question got brought up to me yesterday, and I kind of want to ask everybody this especially you, Ricky, having mixed children, uh, at what point do you tell your children that they're going to be treated differently? And it's kind of an open question. You guys can all answer that real quick, and then I'll go. I'll move forward. <clears throat> oh, since you, since you mentioned my name, for me, yesterday, not as in yesterday, as in like yesterday, but like all, all, their whole entire life, like my kids are black. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My kids yeah. are black. That's that's. That's that right there. At the same time, you know, um, they are, they are mixed, but it, I mean, being dark skin, light skin, I mean, it don't it don't matter. Each has its own different challenges. Um, with me being light skin, you know, I've I been mean, asked my life like, you know, you're not you're not you're not really black because you know, you know, you're not like you know, you're not your skin isn't as dark as Amistad or whatnot. You know, it's complete bullshit. You know, we go through the same issues as anyone else. Um, yeah, as far as our kids, your kids being mixed, my kids being mixed, it's important that. And it's one thing why I wrote what I wrote is that the history of a uh, of black Americans need to be told more in this country. Um, school, I, school I grew up in, it was a very. Yeah, it was taught that that uh, we took the land um, with the Indians, not even from the Indians, with the Indians. Oh, it was very. I went to private school, elementary school. It was a very white Christian Eurocentric uh, view on everything. I look back at it, I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like that was that was really, <laughs> really, really bad. Man. Yeah. That was that was that's honestly, that's a form of child abuse if you ask me. I'm gonna call for what it is. <laughs> it, it was completely fucked up. Um but no our kids are our kids are black. And it's important that that we teach them 
not not just this is me and Rachel, but you too as well. That you yeah, teach yeah. him, uh, you teach him Black history, and it goes above, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Booker T. Washington. I'm talking like like really diving deep into, you know, Black history. We we've done a lot in this country, and it's important that our accomplishments are out there on Front Street instead of you know behind the scenes. So that's that's where the first thing starts from. It starts with history. I know. Go ahead. Donnell, go ahead. I want to. I want to hear your take on it. Oh, I, 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 I fundamentally believe the same thing. Um, I, uh, I, I know that Trevor spoke on it, and I think he's. I don't even know if he's here anymore, but I know he spoke on it, and it's, and it's something that I, you know we all grew up with uh, mixed kids, and I feel like it's important to get for them to get it from home because the, the this society is gonna make you make the choice at some point in your life. You got you, you know, and and it's better for you to. I, you identify with what you, you can identify as white if you want, but whatever you look like is what you look like. So it is what it is. So you have to, you have to start instilling that from a, from a, from a young age. Uh-huh. I, I would say that we have our own issues in our community outside of all this where, you know, with, with, with colorism and, and whatnot and lighter and darker skin people that Ricky just alluded to. But I would say that, um, I know I have friends, my wife has friends. We've always, we've grown up with, 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 uh, kids that are mixed with black and white. And I feel like at some point, hopefully it's earlier rather than later, they always have to come back and, and they have to, they have to make some realization at some point. So why not you get it, get it from home and then you don't have to make the realization. You understand it going in that you're going to be perceived as different. Um, it's, it's that way because you know, there was a one drop rule and there's all these weird little things in this country yeah. that, that, that still persist in people. They might not be written down anymore, but they're it's psych. It's a psychological thing. Because that's all racism is a psychological. I mean, if you correct, correct, I, I would, I would, I would implore anyone watching this to go watch one of the one of the best things I've ever. And I've seen it before many years, but it always comes up on YouTube a lot. Is go watch videos of Jane Elliot, Jane Elliot, the white lady who's an educator who is an avid uh, <clears throat> advocate for you know for against racism and whatnot. She has a lot of interesting videos, and she started t- teaching about how stupid racism is a long time ago and making yeah. people look I'm- stupid and. And, uh, but I would say, because you guys have unique challenges in, in knowing, I would say just fully embracing the fact that if, you already, if you're already aware of it, you're already ahead of the game. The, the, the worst thing you can do, and, uh, and if anybody could hear me, is say you're, say you're colorblind or no one, everyone looks, that's, 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 uh, that's turning a blind eye to something because there are differences in everyone and everyone's differences should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Saying that you're colorblind is not true. That's just not, it's just not true. That's, that's, a, that's a cop out. And also... Saying that you're going to teach your kids to be that way is not true because they're not going to be seen that way. You have to teach children. You have to prepare your. It's your job to prepare your children for the world, not for what you think they should like. The world. What's the real, honest truth of the world? Yeah. It doesn't always have to be brutal, but you start when they're young and teach them the things, and then as they get older and they deal with things, they can process it. Otherwise, they'll break down gotcha. as they get older. They're like, "Oh, what's what's going on?" And go ahead. I know you got kids too. Oh yeah. Um, straight up. Early and often, early and often. Um, my kid, my oldest is 10. He'll be 11 this year. And he has he has locks. And, you know, it's that cute Jaden Smith thing right now, but he's going to grow up and it's not going to be so cute anymore. He's going he's gonna to be intimidating. Um, but it's uh, I even even going through all that, like, I, 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 that was a good question, but I dare say that it's harder for parents like you and Ricky, you know, to raise y'all kids playing both sides. Like my boys see, you know, from me and their mother, how we, how they grow up and how to grow up. We, we speak the same language. 
And like, it's hard to identify with someone from a different race, just like you just said. So to come together as parents and blend to raise y'all kids, you know, the you know that in you know dealing with stuff like this, that's that's got to be hard. But um, I try to stay on my kids. I want them to be I want them to be men, but I want them to know that there's a time where you're not going to get the same treatment you got. Like six year old Marley and sixteen year old Marley aren't the same people in the public eye, unfortunately. As a father and as a mother, we love them unconditionally. They know that. And um, but it's gonna be a time you gotta raise your kids to be well without you. Um, and I kind of, I kind of fear for what Donnell's doing right now, being a father from afar. At that you know, trying to raise my son to um, deal with those challenges. Like I'm fully confident in their mother to give them what they need, but at the same time, a, a, a boy's always gonna need that father figure. And like I am that father figure, but I live on the other <laughs> side of the country. And you know, you get in the jam. Daddy can't run to your police stop down the street. Daddy can't do that. I'm I'm 24 hours away, and it hurts me, you know, to think about that and everything yeah. going on. So um, I just I mean, just hope for the best. Um, hopefully we can be the trailblazers. So by time, you know, at least our children, because I know your son's like already here, arrived to this day. But um, things will be at least a little bit easier on them. Like I want to be an optimist, but you got to be a realist and understand that six, seven years. I ain't gonna cut it. Jessica, yes, uh, let me ask you. Let me I, ask you this. Not to cut you off, AJ. Go ahead, go I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. You had mentioned uh, earlier uh, about Amy Cooper. That's a, a modern day uh, terrorist. Would you mind uh, going back into that a little bit? Sure. Um. So. What's kind of people, man? A whole second, Jessica. A whole second, Jessica. I have no words for that. I have no words for that kind of behavior. Can you hear me? Yeah, your connection's a little bit, just a little bit off right there. Your connection's a little bit yeah, off. Yeah, I hear you. You hear me? Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, go ahead. All right. Um, so that, that type of behavior, right? Like, exactly what she was doing. Oh, ho- oh, hey, Jessica, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't know if you're on the... Yeah, yeah, Jessica, you hear me? Yeah, you, you, I think your Wi-Fi is just a little bit off right there, or if you're you're on it or not. I'll uh I'll text you on the side real quick. Hold on, hey, AJ, let me throw a question at you then. Let me throw a question at go you. Ahead. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, you where, where did you grow up at? Tell me that. Uh, Knoxville, Illinois. Talk to me about what Knoxville, Illinois. Uh, I went to high school with one black person. So how did uh how did Knoxville, Illinois? What would you say that part of white America saw would see black America? We're not really growing up with it. So, um, one thing I can say about Knoxville, Illinois, is uh, that uh, I'm, I was truly blessed, man. Number one, with the parents that I have. Mm-hmm. So, um, shout out to my mom and dad. You know, they taught me right from wrong from the beginning, right? Um, so, uh, his name was uh, Anthony Kimmins, the black guy, right? Okay. And, uh, he moved to Knoxville. I'm not really for sure why. Uh, he played basketball, and, and and we treated him, you know, as a as a normal person, right? And that's the one thing I can say that was great about where I'm from. Even though we only went to school with one black guy, uh, you know, the, the the racism wasn't as bad as most areas in Illinois. And kind of going back to what Trev said, you know, he's from Wisconsin, um, you know. 
we may not have seen the racism in person. But uh, you know, I'm sure people were saying stuff behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's that's inevitable. I definitely, you know, I just like um, Dev was saying when you when you see the look on somebody's face, you can kind of tell what they think about a person. Just like how you interact with anybody, you you can kind of um, feel the vibes of how somebody really feels about you or feels about a person. And although they may not have said it to their face or to his face like you know I don't like you because your skin color y- you knew so there, it wasn't it, you know it, it, it was far and few between but you know it was there um, the one thing I can say about that and and I want to give a shout out to another friend uh, Jeff Brown JB Ricky knows who he is hey, shout out to JB he taught me a long time ago uh, You know, I've known JB since 2009 he taught me a long time ago that I would rather you Say something to my face. That way, I know where we stand. Then to say it behind my back and leave me in the dark. You know what I'm saying? If if you say it to my face, I know where we stand. I know how to to handle you accordingly. Even even if somebody doesn't like me, I don't I don't treat people differently. I'm not gonna treat you differently. Especially like you know, I think all of us in the military, correct? Everybody on this podcast, not to bring the military up. Right. Yeah. Prior. Have been a part. The current current former. Yeah. So in the Navy, right? Um, as you guys know, I'm in the Navy. You know, we're taught that even if uh, even if you don't like somebody, you don't reprimand them. You know, not and that's just not even based off skin color. That's just in general. Uh, but yeah, Knoxville, Illinois. Um, you knew, like I said, far far and few between, but you knew who it was. So that's that's what I got on that. Uh, <clears throat> Amy Cooper. Everybody familiar with that situation? Yep. Uh, so Amy's out, Central Park. Got a dog off the leash. Uh, you got this uh, other brother there, uh, Mr. Cooper. I forget his first name. He's going to the top of the head for the situation. Um, he's sitting there bird watching and she's got a dog running all around. He said, Hey ma'am, you got to make sure your dog's on the leash. If he's going to be out here, she's like, you know, the rambles closed. I ain't doing all that. I'll let his dog run around, get some exercise. He's like, you're not supposed to do that. You know, would you please put on the leash? Uh, they had a conscious back and forth. Uh, he pulled out some dog treats to, uh, get the dog to uh, calm down, whatever. And Amy completely flipped the shit. So what happened next was a recording. The recording consists of her pretty much saying that uh, Mr. Cooper was threatening her. And Jessica talked about this a little bit earlier. I want to make sure it was uh, actually captured. She cut out a little bit. Uh, Mr. Cooper was uh, threatening her completely. And you see Amy in complete disarray. Like there's a gun to her head. Or it was something out of like a, a Hollywood movie. Like, I mean, this, this woman could have won an Oscar with her goddamn performance. Thank God, like Donnell said too as well, like uh, Dev said, that there was that this man pulled out his phone and recorded that. Because honestly, that probably saved his fucking life. We've seen yeah. situations go left all plenty of times. Him pulling his phone, rec- just rec- him just sitting there, ain't doing shit, just recording her acting a fucking ass. I've heard this term uh, multiple times. Um, Jessica, can you hear me now? How you got me? Yeah, I got you. All right, it sounds a lot better. 
Uh, you you missed this earlier. Can you explain uh, weaponizing uh, whiteness? So, <clears throat> right, we all we all live in this in this country, and we've all seen it um, over and over and over again um, throughout our early childhoods and and now you know throughout adulthood, where we can now understand it more. Um, so when it comes to white supremacy, white nationalists, KKK, um, and, you know, I like all, all of those groups together, domestic terrorists, because that's exactly what they are. Um, a, a weapon of mass destruction, right? So when we think of, obviously, we're all military, we think of the terrorists that, you know, we've, we've fought in wars, um, their weapons of mass destruction were bombing of buildings and um, suicide bombers and vehicle bombs. Um, but the, the white extremists um, use their, their social class and their, the color of their skin, their privilege as a weapon against uh, minorities. We'll just say all minorities, right? Because even I have felt I'm not black. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to be a black person in America, but I know what it's like to be a gay person in America. Mm-hmm. I felt the same types of discrimination, mm-hmm. um, not of race, but of um, my my sexuality. And there have been, you know, weapons of words and actions used against me just as, as they are used against the black community um, today. And people need to understand and realize, like I said before, you know, social media is alive and well and people are going to start getting recorded. The words that you say and the actions that you take are the weapon. She didn't call the police because she felt threatened. She called the police because this man called her out on her bullshit. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to see this man either harassed or or put in some sort of situation where he was going to be in pain, right? Whether it was emotional, whether it was physical pain. She knew exactly what she was doing. Her goal was to make this man feel pain because she felt, ah, what's the word I want to use? Um, she felt like she was better than him. Right? Mm-hmm. She feels, she felt, and I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, she doesn't feel that way anymore because you know what? There's certain things in people that don't change. And she's been that way, she is that way, and she'll continue to be that way. Only now she got caught. Um, she could she continue to be that way unemployed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the most disturbing part of that, and I hope the nine one one tape comes out one day, that that shows the because what basically what was happening was like like you just said, she, and I, I think ultimately someone told her, and she when she probably turned around and said who was talking to me and saw who it was like she took the 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 her entitlement like who did who you you can't tell me what to do 
And then she, when she said, I'm going to call the police on you. Uh-huh. Once she, she wasn't, I would like to hear the 911 tape, but she wasn't getting, when you said she put on an Oscar-worthy performance, she wasn't getting the reaction from the from the dispatcher that she thought. So then she just went straight to the Hollywood thing. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. The only thing that had changed in that situation, except that she was damn near killing her dog. Like, that was the only, she was so caught up. And that, that's why I'm saying your, your your mind is not, your mind's not right when you, that, that just shows hating someone or, or not liking people because of the way they look. Your mind is already flawed because you're you're about to kill that dog. That dog is fighting for its life because you're trying to make a fake police phone call. And I still just, I just want to hear, just for my own gratification, because this is one of the videos that is not, it's no, not so traumatic. Uh, it just highlights. Uh, yeah, you know. So, it, it, it highlights some things that I think everybody should know or already did know that, like Trevor said, the Midwest, and that was in what New York City. Like this, you can't. We can't keep saying it's in the Deep South because, you know, what what people do say about the Deep South in the Deep South, they're gonna say it to my face. All of these other people do what she just did: call the police, or there's some things that happen behind closed doors. So it's all the same thing. There's no there's no better. So th- there's nothing better. So I don't I don't want the uh, no, no, people that don't live in the South to 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 give the South a bad name about it. It's every you're all the same. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's no difference. That was in New York. This is in Minnesota. Places where we think it's all like you know picket fences, or or New York is supposed to be this, you know, this cultural melting pot or whatever with 11 million people. Well, there's there's still no man. It's like there. obnoxious, man. And people live there. People live there in a uh, in in pockets in New York. Like there's very segregated neighborhoods in New York. There's integrated ones as well, but there's still very segregated parts of New York. So it's, you can't you can't just say just Georgia and Florida and Alabama and Mississippi all the places that normally get made fun of is 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 everywhere. It's in our military. Yeah, oh, one 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 thousand percent. Oh, the Air Force just Ooh, touch on it. it. Talk on it. Talk, talk on it. Talk about it. Talk the Air Force just it. the Air Force just admitted that you that that there was some bias, some systematic bias against younger uh, uh, troops. Uh, but I don't know if it's black troops or troops of color, or whatever. When it when it comes to disciplinary action and court martials. And then it and then it said I read the whole thing and it said that after about five years, the study showed that that bias disappeared. So basically, what it is is you, it's like you had to prove yourself to somebody for five years. And I'm like, oh well, you've been around for a minute. You're an NCO now, so we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Like that's that seems like what that article. That's what that that's how that article read to me. Mm-hmm. Like when you first come in, man, I got an issue with you. You you doing a little dumb airman stuff that all airmen do. But it was t- you know some airmen are here's your LOC and some airmen are eh, you get Article 15. Like off the off jump, we're gonna start this paperwork quick, so you you don't you know you 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 you're already behind the curve if you go to your next base, you're already stigmatized, and then mm-hmm. then it just goes from there, and then it's any little thing, and you're out you're out the door, and oh. now you're out the, and if you're out the door on a dishonorable, and that's a felony essentially, for 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 administrative behavioral stuff sometimes. Shit, you know? I, I so can tell you stories about that. I, I remember like running around running around uh back in Oklahoma City with like five of my boys, all of them got kicked out. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the last really? of the Mohicans. I'm like, I'm like the last one still standing. Like we, we like yeah. you know, what actually would save me though is that I took a deployment. I took a deployment and I left. And then shit yeah. just got way too wild. I, I I probably would never speak on that one on over over audio, yeah. but it's just I, I've seen it for I've seen it firsthand, man. I've seen it. I'm like fuck, dude. Like what happened? And that I was a result for that. I was like God damn. And they're all out. Yeah. With forcefully, it's like crazy. here's the here's the gate. Give me your cack. Gone. That's it. Just cut you off, just like that. That's what's crazy, man. I uh, when I first came out, I'm touch on the military thing. Cause I know that's not really the, the topic of discussion, man. The topic of discussion is the topic of discussion. Do you think? 
talking about like stigmatisms, man. And in basic training, once we once I got in there, we got bunked up, and I know that our TI was ripping into us. We hadn't even um come out of our civilian clothes yet. Like this looked like the night that we got there. Um, and he's he's laying into us, and we get our bunk assignments, and everyone's kind of shaking in their boots at the front of their beds because we, you know, this is this is the first night, you know, saying the rest of your life. So we nobody knows what's going on, what's going to happen. My TI dude was about he had to been about five foot five Hispanic guy, and you know, you know, what I'm saying I'm not going to necessarily say he suffered from the the short man, you know, what I'm saying syndrome. But he definitely was peacocking. Like, he definitely was, you know, you know, like making himself like a lot bigger, like all up in everybody's face. You know the type. And he got to me, and I, I, to this day, I don't know how he know this. I don't recall telling him. But he walks up to me. He was like, yo, you the, you the, you the dude from D.C., right? You know, I'm like, yeah. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you the one. You the one to watch. And I'm like, what? I don't understand what that. Nah, I, we, we, I know about child DC cats. I know how y'all rock them that you know right now. It ain't going to be none of that on this side. And I'm looking at this dude like, if you knew me, <laughs> <laughs> your whole perception of, about DC individuals would probably change just off the strength of knowing me alone because I've literally made a choice to break the mold. Mm-hmm. But it was like that stigma like preceded me. You know what I'm saying? Before I ever spoke two words to this guy, he already knew he had formulated an opinion about me. I'm not going to necessarily say he had it out for me because he ended up being like a really cool T.I. It was like his last flight. So, you know, it was just like he was just like going hard, you know what I'm saying, for the role. He wanted to get that honor flight. He wanted to get the accolades and all this type of stuff. So he ended up being kind of a cool cat. But, you know, what if it wasn't just a... Uh, you know what I'm saying, a show. What if it wasn't just him peacocking? You know, what if it really was his attitude or his mentality towards what he believed about people based on where they're from or skin color, skin tone? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many people, you know, could have been recycled? You know what I'm saying? How, how many people could have been held back from their graduation and been forced to stay there because, you know what I'm saying, certain individuals in positions of power within the military have the means to affect your career in that fashion. How many people didn't make it out of basic training because their TI or someone else just didn't like them? Not necessarily mean that they're doing anything wrong, but when you got it out for someone, you're going to make their life hell. And it's only so long that you're going to accept that shit until you decide to fight back. Let me ask you a question <clears throat> based off of that. You see somebody doing something, um, you see some racist shit or something that's like kind of questionable. How are you going to go about it? Would you uh, confront the individual? Would you confront the individual's employer? This is for at work, social media. How would you, uh, how would you handle that situation? I just I throw it up. Pr- Who got it? Uh, I'll go. I want my you got it, in. So um, when you say that, you mean where am I seeing this? Is it out in public? Is it online? Like it could be either or. It? How you gonna handle it? If it's out in public, you know I'm gonna say something straight up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just just nip in the bud right then and there. Now I'm taking a huge risk doing that in 
this America. But you see somebody needs help, you help them. Mm-hmm. And even then, going back to watching the video, I'm sure after some point, if I'm looking at this man dying, I, my, I dare say, because even watching the video, I wanted to get jump through the screen and push this man off this dude. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which would have yeah. resulted in some, uh, some type of consequence. But, you know, at, this, at the end of the day, that man would have had his life. I probably would have got charged with something. But, I mean, that's humanity. That's what we're here for, right? So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to say something. Now, even with, with, the, with, the, um, with the Karen in Central Park, mm-hmm. um, I would, uh, I mean, yeah, but you see it. This is who she is. All right, after that, you ain't got to do nothing else. It's going to happen itself. Dog got taken away, lost the job. Now, at the end of the day, what did she learn? Is she saying sorry because she lost everything and she's trying to come full circle? Or is she's going to have an even iller feeling toward African-American men approaching her, trying to tell her what, what, what natural rules are? We don't know that. Like, it's bigger than, you know, someone losing their job, risk, you know, losing their life. Everybody would need, anybody who's damaged needs repair. And, like, you, you just got to, if you, she, there's no road to recovery for her. She's going to be probably resentful for the rest of her life about that. She might go, she's going to be the old woman on the porch. I don't like them niggas over there because I lost everything because of it. Mm-hmm. So, even though she was wrong, mm-hmm. it's not going to fix nothing in, in, not in the long run within her. So It's not going to uh, be viewed that way. So, it has, she, to be, it has to be tactful, unfortunately. I mean, but even then, in public, oh, nah, you know I'm going there. Just like Dev said, I was the I was the Atlanta dude in in, in um basic training, so like, <laughs> but I weighed like a buck twenty soaking wet. I wasn't a threat, but like when people see me get upset, they don't know what person they're gonna get. So like I've been called Decatur Manny at work before. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like bankhead. Uh, yeah, we don't wanna wrong side, but still, you know I don't I don't wanna. Do <laughs> Like, I'm nice. I'm a nice guy. Just let me let me be me. And um, it, it was in, even then joining, like you said, when you're um, Donnell, when you're talking about the lower um, ranking airmen who just come in, they come yep. in bringing the culture they grew up from. Oh, 100%. wait. Oh, wait. Systemic racism. They probably came from nothing. They trying to crawl. They trying to they trying to catch up. Like it was culture. Oh, my God. Basic training. Yeah, I had I had. In the course of four years at high school, mm. you know, growing up in Atlanta, I think I want to say I went to school with about three white people total. Couple mm. Hispanics, you know, a couple um, Vietnamese, Asian. Um, but never, I've never been outnumbered outside of working at Six Flags as far as, you know, you know, me being African-American and seeing things. Atlanta's a black city, for um, lack of better, you know, black of better words. So, um, like, we got to go through we got to, like, you know, get used to the new culture, new climate as well. But when I get seen as a certain type of person, um, put it this way. First place I worked at when I was in the military. Hey, hold a second, Manny. Hold a second, Manny. Hey, whoever got their volume up uh, for the live, just go and turn that thing down. Go ahead, Manny. Yeah. So, like, um, first job I worked at when I joined the military, I had a um, guy, because of the career field I'm in, I had a guy come up to me and say, hey, man, are you the only black guy that does this? I look around, I'm like, well, shit, I am it in this squadron. This is just me. <laughs> so, like, I mean, but I mean, I had a real group of people, real good group of people. I've never, um, I've been lucky to have been surrounded by, you know, really good um, command teams and stuff, um, you know, in my time. And But I do know there's another side. I have counseled other airmen. I've seen the bad. 
But um, like, but it's hard to call, you know, I'm bouncing all over the place, but it's hard to call a spade a spade in the military when you're challenging racism or something like that. I mean, there's avenues you can go, but we know how that turns out, right? So, um, yeah. At the end of the day, out and open, I'm saying something. Hey, you know what? Let's let's bounce all over the place. I'm, hey, Jessica, I got a question for you. What it what has that uh been like for you being uh in the military just uh you know just being being gay how's how's that been how's that been for you what is what is your experience well for the better part of uh what ten years that I was in I had to be in the closet right I couldn't even be who I was yeah exactly um I mean, I made the best out of the situation. I had to be very private. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, y- y'all know I'm I'm pretty private now, but like I had to be even more private, right? Like I had to choose my friends very wisely. Um, I had to choose where I go very wisely. Like it was like I don't know. It was scary. I was scared for my career uh, every day because, you know, if one person uh, caught me you know, out somewhere with somebody, they could easily been like, hey, you know, I caught, I caught Aaron Wall out with a girl. You know, I saw them walking together, holding hands. Like, that would have been it for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, like, it was scary. It sucked. And so when I say, like, I I can't relate to y'all. I can't relate to what's going on. But I can sympathize because, you know, I went through something similar. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. Like, hey, I've gone far in my military career, but I had to be really careful with my personal life in order to get where I am right now. And Jessica, I would like to say that um, being a lesbian in the military, especially back before, you know, damn, don't ask, don't tell, it was harder than being an African-American in the military by far. I promise you that. Like, I got, um, I talked to had friends who, like, you know, it, they're petrified back then, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, yes. Yeah. yeah. But let's so, get back to the, the 50s, right? Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. It was the same, except like for the African American community in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, the nineteen sixties, even into the seventies, being in our, our military. You know, you all could have been like physically assaulted and nothing would have come of the people who did. You know? Yeah, that's true. It's just, it's just yeah, that's, it's, it's, yeah, that's, similar, that's but true. yeah, but I'm, I'm, uh, my my comment was more for modern times. But you're absolutely right. Um, in that fact, yeah, it's um, that's that's fucking crazy right there. Like you can't even be who you want, who you are. You can't love who you want to love outwardly. You have to hide everything for the the, the upward of ten years, and that's just you being in for as long as you have. There's people that had to hide themselves for the full twenty. Completely, yeah, and that's fucking crazy right there. Like discrimination in this country is, um, <laughs> it's just it's 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 fucking wild. Like 
just imagine hating somebody for being a little bit different from you. You know, we both have the same arms. We have arms. We have legs. We got face, body. You know, you hate me because I'm a I'm a different color. I, I have melanin, and maybe you don't, or maybe you have melanin, but you're from this place over here, and I'm from over here, or you know, I'm straight, you're gay. You know, it's 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 wild. Just I I, I can't wrap my wrap my mind around just hating somebody like that, but. What we do here on Being Wise that we try to fight that shit as much as possible from our corner of the internet. That's what we try to do here. Uh, let me ask y'all all a question. How do we move forward back to uh, George Floyd? How do we move forward from there? What is what is the next steps you'd like to see happen? How do we... How do we... I, I wouldn't say heal. Because I think uh, that's that's pretty much past the point. How do we, how do we um, make things better for us for our children, for the next generation going forward? I, I say you, if I speak first, I say what we do now, because everybody good. sees it and we're already doing it. And it, and it, it only goes so far. Like if, you, if we keep yelling, screaming, yelling, screaming, yelling, screaming, that just falls on deaf ears. It's kind of like you're, uh, us that are seasoned parents. You can have kids that cry. And after, you know, when you're first a new parent, a baby might bother you crying. I can go into a daycare now. And if it ain't my kid crying, I, I ain't tuned in. I don't hear it anymore. But that's, that's, that's human nature. So you, everything starts falling on deaf ears. So what you got to do, and that's what I've been doing throughout this, is, which is why I say you got to draw lines for people who, if they don't want to see it, they don't want to see it. It's not my job to teach you or bring you along anymore. At this point, if you don't want to see it, you don't want to see it, and I'm going to focus on the people who are trying to get there with us. Mm -hmm. And then I need them, and what I've said in private and public, and I'm saying in public now, for, for you tell your white friends, this is your opportunity to start squashing things that this type of shit. When you when you have it at your family gathering and it's uncomfortable, that's when you got to say something. When you have it at your uh, when you're in a small group setting and your friends and somebody say something, it might get weird, but nobody say something. No, check somebody swiftly and, mm -hmm. and aggressively yep, immediately yep, yep. and let them know that that's not where you're getting. If it if it if it if it if it you're you're when you start to get in your thirties and stuff, you can't be worried about ruining a relationship over doing what's right. So if the person don't want to come around and y'all can't have a real talk, then you weren't really friends with that person anyway, right? Right, right, so right. We 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 gotta we got stuff that we gotta do, but but I'm challenging white friends and friends of other cultures. And when you hear, because it's not just white people who say stuff about black people at home, but but we'll we'll just go with that. Now anybody, if you're challenge your family, you know, challenge your you know, if you sit amongst you, if you sit if you go to a family uh, gathering with your kids and your and you got old relatives and they say wild stuff, you gotta check them and take your kids out of there. Cause that's that's when that's when those seeds get planted, and your kids act like they don't hear stuff and they don't know that that's they hear everything. Yep, yep, yep. And they, it just might not resonate to them right now, but that's a seed that's planted in the mind. The brain is a weird thing, and that seed will sprout later on when they're like, oh well, I might not, you know, they join in on something at school that they're not supposed to. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but no, my grandfather said they are this, so yeah, it's cool. I can do it, and that that's the kind of stuff that I challenge people in those small group settings. That's the most uncomfortable thing, cause I say. We were just talking about will you say something in public? It's I don't want to say it's easy because it depends on your personality. I, I you know I, I'll say something in public, but everybody doesn't have a personality. The harder part is behind closed doors when everyone's safe and relaxed and chilling yeah. and drinking and your shoes are off. That's when you challenge that thought process. Mm -hmm. You got to challenge that thought process behind the closed doors when there's no cell phone cameras on, when there's no social media, when it's just you and your family. That, that's the kind of environment my uncle told me that story in. You know what I mean? That kind of environment. It's the same kind of environment. You got to stamp that out and, and be dramatic about it. Like, look, hey, that's not what we're going to do. I, maybe it was cool for you to say that we need to correct it, this and this and this. And then if they don't want to see it, you pack your stuff up. And if you got kids, you, you bounce. Like, go. Make it known. Like, don't say it and just sit there and dwell in the room because you're still okayed it at that point. Dip. 
Like that's what you got to do. And I, I I feel like you have to be that that forceful about it, you know, because it's not a what is it? I saw a quote the other day and it makes perfect sense. It's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. So not to be racist, but like is is letting someone say something, knowing that you don't believe it is cool. But I no anti-racist is checking that person. You got to check them. And if it's your people, then you check them. That's what you you have to check your people. And if the growth that you have developed, even if you've had it all the time or you got it since you've been in the military and Vinnie Brown more diversity, if the growth comes from you, then it comes from you. If it doesn't come from you, then at least y'all, you have to start drawing them lines. And now there's a line. That line has to be there. Like, hey, you cannot say that around me and my children or me and my friends or just me, period, in, in a lone setting. You can't say it. That's 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 my feeling, where we got to go. There, because Because, again, us doing this every every time this happens, it's gonna fall on deaf ears. It's been falling on deaf ears for hundreds of years. So at some point, yeah. the yeah, civil exactly. rights movement moved forward because white people got involved, right? White people were getting beat up in the street. That's when it. That's like it has to be an investment from everybody. It can't just be one group because one group it will fall on deaf ears every time. Right, we we so, we've been ignored. We need we need more. We need Rainbow Coalition. Murder, Jesse uh, Jackson. People, people got to be <laughs> people got to become uncomfortable. Like. You you got to become uncomfortable with the things that you're witnessing and experiencing, and uncomfortable to the point where you may lose friendships, you may sever certain family ties, like. But there has to be a willingness because, as Donnell said, like the bigger picture is, no longer is this going to be acceptable. And to sit back and to say something, but to not lead or to not say something at all, it's you're being complicit. You know, it's like what we say about cops. You know, it, what, what and I think you said it, if you got a hundred cops, or I heard it, so maybe it was that's true. That's true. Yeah. You got you got a hundred cops and ten do ten of them are bad, but the other ninety don't say anything. Well, now you're you're complicit. You're just as bad. As they are doesn't necessarily make you culpable, but you're just as bad because you're not speaking up to your colleagues, your peers. You're not having that uncomfortable conversation where you're taking the stance and letting them know, like you're not going through this in front of me, you know. And 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 people that do take that stand have to be protected because a lot of time there's reprisal. A lot of the time, those people are fearful for themselves and the repercussions that's going to come as a result of their actions and speaking up, mm-hmm. especially when you start talking about workplace. You know, a lot of, I, I mean, there was a documentary not too long ago where a group of cops, you know what I'm saying, black, white, and a couple of different, it was, I think it was like five or six of them, they were all speaking in a group setting. And they were talking about how in their each individual uh, departments, they were speaking up about this stuff and how they were you know what I'm saying, uh, punished as a result. Like, individuals like that have to be protected. But that's where the change comes in. You know, I hate, it's not necessarily that I hate to use the word Karen, you know what I'm saying? But when, if you talk I'm aware about that this, bitch out. You're talking, you're talking about the, the what the term and what is what it means and what it's highlighting like individuals such as that have to be held accountable for their actions they they have to be made to pay to a certain extent and you know 
shout out to the, the uh, I think it was Christopher Cooper, I think his name was. Mm. Um, I could be wrong. But I think it was Christopher Cooper. You know, he, t- he took the high road. He came back later and said, you know, he it was never his intention, you know what I'm saying, for her life to be ruined in such a way. But you know what? Sometimes it takes that ruin, you know what I'm saying, to potentially cause that person to grow. You know, even in certain society, even in nature, you know, you could have the, the wildest forest fire out there in California. And even with all of that destruction, that forest in due time will grow. It will become better as a result of that adversity. And you have to hold out hope that individuals that have their lives potentially ruined or affected in such a way that, you know, their livelihoods are shaking, their family structure is shaking, their friends, their social network is shaking because of these actions or their words, you, 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 we have to hold out hope. Not necessarily mean it's going to happen, but we have to hope that they, as we, like a phoenix, they grow and they, they return to society a better individual. But it's only recognizing these weapons as Jessica, right? Yep. As Jessica stated earlier, like the weaponizing of, you know what I'm saying, white woman fragility, like it will never change. Did we, did we lose Dev right there? I think so. I think it's right for him. <laughs> let, me, uh, <laughs> let me read some comments real quick. Uh, Danielle Pock. Hey, shout out to Danielle, by the way. Um, we have to be allies. We have to stand by people of color, and we have to have those hard conversations. It may be outside of your comfort zone, but it has to happen. A hundred percent agree. Jasmine Webb. Jasmine, what's going on with you, girl? Um, it's not a black people problem. Exclamation point. Everyone should feel a way about how things are going. That's the that's what we need to make a change. We still have a long way, but it takes everyone to make this change. Not that the pe- not just the people that live it every day. And uh, yep. Karen's a terrorist. Jessica said that too early in the podcast. Started that thing off. Hey, Jessica, honestly, get that thing on the hoodie. That's what needs to happen right there. <laughs> hey, with with the BNY logo behind it, I'll uh, I'll go invest some, some money in that one easily. Y'all want a hoodie? Like y'all hit me say, up. Tell you my wife makes shirts and hoodies. Hey, that's a plug right there. We don't get up at this pod. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, what you got? Go ahead. Take my money. Oh, um, I just want to say for all the good Karens out there, I'm sorry, but I'm probably gonna use still use it. Um, but to answer your question earlier, um, what was it? It's, I think it's, I mean, we got the process going, the ball rolling on this, but I think we should, I think it's going to start, in my opinion, you're not even start, it may be reinforced by actually doing the research on who we voting for. And we're not talking presidential. We talking mm-hmm. Talk on it. Congress, maybe congressmen, house representatives, your local government, sheriffs. You gotta see, yeah, sheriffs, all of that. So when you vote for that, that's when you're voting for that culture. And don't just read, like, go back and observe this person's behavior. It's so easy, to, you know, to be um, nosy about somebody these days. Like, it's just do your research. Um, let's put these people that deserve to be in there in there. I mean, and just because you don't have that squeaky clean record or something, something, just look at the the values they have and the motivation and what comes from within inside, within inside, within. You know, um, if we do this and we vote in every election, not just the presidential ones or nothing like that, in time, it'll correct itself. We'll get the people we need. We'll get that sheriff in the police department. We'll get that police chief in there. That's gonna oversee things and do things right because it's not 
one person that's going to um, change all this overnight. And I know a lot of us aren't residing in our home states, and it's hard. But hey, like that's the thing to do. That's a, we quarantine. It's a good thing to do. Go up there and do the research on everybody running for this, that, or the other. What's going on in your home, your hometown? Make the change there, and then we'll start from there and go up. Hey, I'm all for it. Can I um, can I introduce a, a brand new segment we're gonna start doing here on BNY? What's that? <clears throat> so I didn't actually run this past anybody, but I'm pretty sure nobody's gonna have an issue with this. Um, I was doing some thinking when I was writing my article. Uh, I was like, you know what? We have a platform here that's growing, and we should do a little bit more with it. And I was doing my history lesson last night. I, re- I realized that, you know what? I got it. From now on, every BOA podcast, every BNY podcast we do, we'll end off on a segment of uh, today in uh, Black American history. So I feel it's very important that we start with, like I said, it's not taught in schools a lot. We have one month that has a very very little bit of days, at least month days on the calendar, and not really much gets taught in schools. I've learned more outside of school when it comes to black history than I actually learned in school. And I went to school in PG County, which is predominantly black. So that's that. So if I can, let me introduce uh, B&Y Presents Black History. May 29th, 1973, Tom Bradley, Tom Bradley elected mayor of Los Angeles. In Black History Today, Tom Bradley was elected the first African-American mayor of Los Angeles, California on May 29, 1973. Bradley served for 28 years, which is longer than any other mayor of the city. Born the son of sharecroppers and the grandson of a slave in Calvert, Texas on December 29, 1917, which is what um, Donnell was alluding to earlier. Bradley later became one of the most successful politicians of the 20th century. He joined the Los Angeles Police Department in 1941 and retired as lieutenant. He became an attorney from retiring from the police department prior to entering into politics. As mayor, Bradley was instrumental in much of Los Angeles' growth and his hosting of the 1984 Summer Olympics. Los Angeles became the second most populated city under his administration. Upon retiring from mayor in 1993, Bradley ran unsuccessful, unsuccessful campaigns for governor of California in 1982 and 1986. Bradley was married to Ethel Arnold, and he passed away September 29th, 1998, in his home city of Los Angeles. Shout out to the man. That's a that's an amazing story, an amazing career. He fought for everything he had to get. Mayor for many, many years. And to be honest with you, I wasn't really familiar with the story until I saw it today when I looked it up. But it's important, though, that I read shit like that. So the world is familiar with stories like that, too, as well. And every time we're on Being Wild Podcast, we'll definitely end off with something like that. So, I thought it was great. Me next, the, the story, the story of uh, the story of Mandy. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to do the one next week. You got the one next week. Oh, easy, man. Yeah, hey, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. got it, bro. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we've been on about an hour thirty, hour forty. Uh, that's solid work. Uh, let's do a let's do a little bit of last rounds, which uh, which I got. Open the floor up. So, so I'll just say this on the. Uh... On the topic of uh, white America standing up for the black community, um, you have to realize for um, for allies, right? It is it's a balancing act with that too, because you don't want to take the power away from the black community by stepping in front, but you want to stand side by side, right? Mm-hmm. And, and learn the people that. Um, you call friends because I think if, if I were to be put in a situation 
where one of my black friends um, is getting harassed um, by somebody who, you know, or making racist comments or whatever. I think I know my friends well enough to, to choose the right thing to do, right? Because I don't want to, I don't want to take that power away from my, from my friend, right? If they, if they feel like if they have the strength to stand up to that individual, um, then I'm going to be right there shoulder to shoulder with them. Um, but if I feel in the situation that I need to step in, um, and be the, the, the primary, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I, I challenge, um, the white community to really know your, your, your people, right? Get to know them to the point where when you walk down the street with them, you know exactly how you should react if presented with uh, a situation like that. I'm, I'm just glad your Wi-Fi worked for that, uh, that one segment right there. That was good. Yeah, you had that Nelly connection a little bit earlier, but that was solid right there. <laughs> hey, Jessica, beautiful words right there. <laughs> you got it. Go ahead. Donnell. Donnell. All right, last thing I'll say is uh, I didn't say it earlier, and, I, and I've been bringing it up throughout all of this, is that uh, when, when, when stuff like this happens and people don't like the protesting and all that, just remember – you can't tell people how to protest. That's mm -hmm. that, that's against the definition of the word. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll say is everybody always has some very meek, mild, and manner, uh, meek and mild manner quotes from Martin Luther King when this kind of stuff happened. Oh my God. And he was not a meek and mild mannered person. And I would say that the other person that we don't talk about who was there at the same time and they had opposing viewpoints and did not like each other to a degree was Malcolm X. And I will say that what's funny about uh, humans is that Malcolm, uh, Martin Luther King, right before he died, started to change his viewpoint a little bit and realized that maybe he didn't, maybe maybe uh, integration wasn't wasn't best for his people. And he started to change his viewpoint a little bit because he realized that integration without <clears throat> economic means was, was probably going to lead us down the wrong path. And Malcolm X softened his stance a little bit after he made his pilgrimage to Mecca and started to see things a little bit more uh, Martin Luther King's way. So just just remember that that's a perfect example that uh, black people are not a monolith. They're, uh, they they could be, you could have diametrically opposing viewpoints and change because our brain with new information you should be changing, mm -hmm. and we should all be searching for new information all all the time. If you if you're saying the same thing. You were saying when you were 20 or that your parents taught you if it was wrong and that you now know is wrong in your 20s and you're in your late 30s and 40s and you're not trying to change, then you're not you're you're definitely a part of the problem. For sure. Dev. Um, but what can what uh, <clears throat> so oh, no, they switch Wi-Fi? Yeah, Dev, Dev Jeff, just can plug up to the same router. The bad <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold a second. Hey, Dev, yeah. hey, Dev, we will come back to you. Manny, go ahead. Oh, man. I just want to, um, I want to show some appreciation, matter of fact. Um, for my, it, my circle of friends. Is it a little bit better now? 
Oh, okay. A little, little yeah, bit. I'll, I'll let Manny go. I'll, I'll let you go next. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Spin, spin your wife, spin your wife out real quick. So, uh, <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to like my my circle of friends on social media. You know, a lot of people don't realize they don't they don't wake they don't woke up these past couple of days with a few less friends. I really haven't mm-hmm. had to delete anybody. I like I'm so glad for the support I get from my friends, black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian, all of them. Like I just really appreciate y'all. Um, it made these days go by easier than waking up, getting on social media, and seeing some bullshit get said. Now I've seen a couple things, but nothing that was extreme to where I'm not, I'm not gonna like block, delete, or go in and prove my point, you know. But um, I just. I just want to thank y'all, like, you know, people mm-hmm. are friends with me and people that stand, stand with people like me in our in this issue. Like, you guys are the real MVPs, and um, we do appreciate y'all for that. I, I really I really do. Um, that's all I got. Dev, are you, uh, everything, everything spinning right yeah. over there? I, I think I'm back. I done spun the wheel a little bit, got my connection a little bit better. And then we Gucci now. The hamster's running this time. So I got a little lazy. <laughs> Had to put some carrots in front of him. Um, yo, um, well, yo, what can I say that, you know, you all haven't so eloquently put it already? You know, um, as Manny said, man, I'm going to echo what Manny said. You know, I appreciate uh, each and every one of you all just kind of taking this time out and hopping on here and, and giving these different perspectives um, Jessica, you know, you sympathizing with the cause while also, you know, uh, e- explaining and expressing your plight, you know, is I said it, you know, um, a few podcasts ago when we talked about the mental health and, you know, every perspective is necessary because it all speaks to a larger issue. And, and what I want to say to America, to anyone out there, to our fans and anyone that's listening, you know, don't get lost. You know what I'm saying? Don't be behind the tree when there's entire forest out there. You know, it's it's not just one person's plight. It's not just one group's plight. You know, this is an American society, societal issue. This is our plight. This is our issue. And the only way that it is going to be solved is if we're embracing the forest. We're embracing everyone's struggle, everyone's perspective everyone's viewpoint as long as it is meant to invoke positive change um don't be afraid to have conversations don't be afraid to listen uh, to someone who differs from you um it's in that sort of uh you know that that uncomfortable conversation that you know growth can actually happen change can occur because if everyone's just a yes man and if everyone's just agreeing, then we'll never change our course and our direction will remain the same. So we have to bounce ideas, have to bounce ideologies, have to bounce experience off of one another in order to see the bigger picture of, of what's going on in this country, what's been happening, and really take a stance to um, bring these things to light. Um, it's time for us to stop being reactive and to start being proactive. You know, it's, it's time. You know, I appreciate the videos, and but we gotta be we gotta be willing to step in, stand in the gap, to stand up for our fellow citizens when there's injustice being done. You know, it's easy to say 
it's easy for me to say that don't be afraid to go to jail because you see someone do it wrong and you stood up and you intervened. It's a lot easier to say that. But at some point, that has to become our mentality. We have to shake the fear of, of, of personal persecution if it means that society is going to get better as a whole. So I appreciate everyone, man. You know, I appreciate everyone for listening, everyone in the comment section. Yeah, it's, it's, it's with you all that this stuff is possible and that this message is going to spread. You know, and, and you know, shout out to Rick. You know, I'm saying that the, the brains behind all of this. You know, this, this, this man has a vision and he is not just talking, he's not just sitting in his garage talking about it, but he is enacting that and it's, it's trailblazers such as he, it's other individuals with their podcasts that um that's going to get this word out and it's going to spread and it's going to start this movement that needs to occur in this country. So we just got to keep it going. Damn, dude. Every time Dev talk, I feel like the guy talking after Martin Luther King in D.C. 63. Like, why, 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 I got, why I got to fall up after him? Then he gave me that beautiful compliment at the end, too, as well. Hey, no, Dev, it's a funny thing. Let me, let me put it like this. Uh, BNY. BNY stands for Blacks and Yak. Let's break that down. Blacks, Black and Mild, Yak, Cognac, Kennison. It actually started in my, in my garage arguing with, shout out to Darnell, Nate, my cousin Patrick, just about random shit in the world smoking blacks and just drinking Hennessy from that right there. We've taken to this platform and honestly, yeah, I do have a vision for the podcast, but I couldn't do this without any of y'all being here right now. I can't, I can't do this all alone. God's plan. I, I thank every single one of y'all for your time. I thank y'all for being here. I thank you for your contribution. I do my boys, my, my best playing point guard, just distributing assists and watch y'all score points. And that's the beautiful thing about it. All you have great opinions. I stand by it. I'll fight for ch- fight for y'all. If anybody come at y'all, I'm right there for you. I ain't down with the bullshit. So that's it's 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 a beautiful thing. Um, Kyra, shout out to you too as well. Miss you. Um, this is it's, it's been great. I just want to thank you all for your time. Honestly, it's a it's a tough subject to talk about. It's and we done it like almost like back to back podcasts. Like our last podcast. I mean, we we you know us here. We love you know just drinking and having a good time. Like. You know, just boys just sitting on the couch, you know, just watching the game, you know, just, just friends, you know, just, just, just sitting back kicking it. But one thing with being why we'll never, we'll never sugarcoat anything. We'll never hide anything. We we have to give you the uh, that straight dope. That, it's that, it's that blue magic Frank Lucas. Like, we got to give you the real thing uncut. So, and, and we have to do it. We have to do that. We have no choice. So, if something were to pop off next week, guess what next being why podcast is going to be on? That's going to be on that. We'll dedicate a whole pod to it. Trust me, I had a whole other show planned out, and then this shit, this shit popped off. I was like, "Well, it yeah. is what it is." You know, it's our responsibility to the people, to our community, to make sure we're doing the right thing by them. Being why the voice for the voiceless. That's all I got. Appreciate y'all. Y'all great, man. Man, fuck me. Y'all, y'all, y'all the real heroes. Y'all the real MVPs. <laughs> real MVPs out here. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that right there. So let's hop off from here and let's move on to the B-sides. Everybody out there watching, commenting, appreciate it. We're all over uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you can find podcasts at. Just share it and love it. If you don't, then, I mean, thank you for watching. That's it. So till next week. We out. Donnell, Jessica, Devin, Manning, AJ, Trav, all y'all. So till then. Yes.
See, See you. See ya.